0: All right. Are you ready to talk about the power of God today? About five of you. How about the rest? Are you ready to talk about the power of God today? Amen. Amen. We're talking about getting back to the future and moving out of a a place of waiting for the future to open up. God is with us to go into the future. He's called us to. And so we're going to talk about God's spiritual gifts in our lives, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives to help create the future that God has promised us. And so today, I would love for you to take notes if you have your notebook with you. How many of you have a notebook with you today? Raise your hand. Open those notebooks. We're gonna have a lot of scripture today. How many of you have your Bibles with you today? Because we're gonna use a lot of Bible today. Wonderful. So we're gonna talk about the power of God. You know, the future that God has for us, He expects us to grab hold and utilize his power. Do you realize that? Like any future that you can envision for your life, that you can do it on your own, isn't the future that God has designed for you. Praise God for your education. Praise God for your experience. Praise God for your talents and abilities. He will utilize those. But the vision he has for your life takes his involvement in creating that vision. Do you understand that? So he's always going to challenge you to believe for bigger things than you can do on your own. And he has placed his Holy Spirit inside of us to accomplish those things things. You know, I I remember the movie here, and and it was talking about this amazing amount of power that was required to get Marty back to the future. And that's why today it's important that we realize we have this power. It's not something we have to beg God for. It's something He's made available. It's actually someone He's made available into our lives. It's called the Holy Spirit. So we're going to have a discussion on the Holy Spirit today. Go ahead and open up your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter one, it's right after the four gospels, if you're new to your Bible, so go to the New Testament, go over about five books, you'll see it there. Acts chapter one. I wanna to talk to you about the baptism of the spirit. I wanna to talk to you about what's available to you as a believer with the Holy Spirit's gifts in your life. Verse four, this is Jesus speaking. He's ascending to heaven. And so he's giving the disciples some directions just before he ascends to heaven, okay? Once, when he was eating with them, with the disciples, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized you with water, but just in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the disciples, verse 6, were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel or restore our kingdom? Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. Here's verse eight is what I want you to see. But you will receive power, say power. Power Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Couple things I wanna highlight in this passage of scripture. One, I want us to see that Jesus commanded the disciples do not go get started on the mission until you go to the upper room to receive the, po- the promise of the power, the promise of the Spirit. Why does he have to say that? I believe the reason Jesus had to tell these disciples is look these disciples are full of business owners, right? They're fishermen, they have network of fishing boats, there's some people that have been involved in tax collecting, there's some individuals that have been involved in all kinds of trade or commerce or business do you know there's a lot of things that we are capable of doing without the power of God? We need to be honest about that. Sometimes I think we, we clap so much, oh, we can't do anything without God. That's not totally true. People do all kinds of things without God. They build businesses. They, you know, try to solve problems without God. And we can always see the absence of God in, this, in the end of it, Right? But the truth is, is human nature, we do have some talent. We do have some capacity and some ability. So Jesus, first of all, is looking at them saying, look, I know that you're entre- you have entrepreneurial hearts. I know that you have leadership hearts. You have warrior spirits. I know that you want to get out there and get started, but I'm telling you, don't do it without me. I'm telling you to wait for the Holy Spirit because whatever you think you can do on your own with me, I can do it even better. Does that make sense? So first we have to admit that there are things that we can do on our own. And if we're not careful, we'll assume we're doing it with God, but did we pause and allow God to put his anointing upon us to do it? Are we leaning upon God to do it? Because if we're not careful, we'll just use our own talents and we'll use our own strategies and we'll use our own strengths. There's an intentionality about going and making sure we're walking with the Holy Spirit to do what God has called us to do. Are you following me today, church? And so I want us to make sure we identify, yes, you are, you are very talented. You can look at the person next to you and say, I am talented. I have got some skills. And that's okay because you're designed in the image of God and, and he's given you a wonderful brain and, and you have learned some things, but especially those of us that have learned some things and have succeeded in some things, then there's a very strong intentionality that has to be had to make sure we're not leaning on our own understanding. That we're, we're submitting all of those things to God, saying, God, what you're going to do through me is still greater than what I could do on my own. And so Jesus says, you got to go wait. you got to wait for the power. You need to wait for the person of the Holy Spirit. I know your heart's going to want to go, but you need to wait. And so I'm encouraging you today, if Jesus said they needed it, then he knows we needed it. There's vision God has for you. There's future that God's called you to. There are things he's called you to create. There's solutions he's called you to bring to the earth. God has you in the right place at the right time. You may think, ah, 2020, I wish I wasn't here. I'd rather be right here than anywhere else in 2020 because this is where God has positioned me. And God knows when I was supposed to be born. He knows the number of my days. He did not miss it when he planted you in this season, amen. You were designed to be here right now. You are the salt. You are the light. You are God's solutions in the earth right now. You're His body extended, but do not go and try to do this without the power of God in your life because you're going to run out of strength. You're going to run out of wisdom. You're going to run out of ability, but God never does. Somebody say amen to that. It's limitless. Amen. It's His ability through you to do what He's called you to do. So then you move on in this, and you see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I love that part, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I love the word power there. Many of you have heard this sermon before, not this sermon, because I'm teaching it to you for the first time, but the word power, you've heard that word there is the word dunamis, where we get our word dynamite. Here's what I love about that idea of dynamite. God doesn't give you just enough power to get by. God gives you enough power to blow the enemy away. To blow down any wall, to blow down any obstacle. I love that it's connected to explosive power, amen? Not just like a little bit of strength. We're talking about explosive power to overcome. Explosive power to make things happen. Go to John chapter 15. Let's go over just a few more pages. So if you're in the book of Acts, take a left, about, you know, 10 pages or so. John chapter 15. Let's get back into this idea that we require God in us. And with us to do what God has called us to do. John chapter 15 verse 4. Have you found it in your Bible? John 15 verse 4. Remain in me. This is Jesus speaking. He's teaching to the people, to the disciples, how to live, how to succeed, how to do what he's called them to do. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Again, here's all this language of if you're disconnected from the power source, if you're disconnected from God, you cannot be fruitful, okay? Yes, I am the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. But you know, there's that language again, isn't it? you can do nothing. Well, that's not totally true because we see people who are in complete rebellion against God and they build businesses and make millions of dollars. But you know, without God, anything, any kingdom you built without God is futile. It'll perish. And whatever legacy you're creating without God is not one you want to create. So in God's mind, when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing, what does he mean? He means, first of all, I think he means it's nothing compared to what you could have done with me. Do you hear that? If you whatever, you, whatever little thing you created with all of your talent and strength without me, it's nothing compared to what it could have been if I could have gotten involved in that and put my power on it. That's amazing. But it's also nothing because it's not linked to the kingdom. And if it's not linked to the kingdom, it will come to nothing. Does that make sense? And so here again, there's this, this language where God is like saying, You can do nothing without me. The truth is you can do things without him. But it's us surrendering to the idea, I don't want to do it without him. I don't want to build without him. I need God. I need your spirit. I need your power. I want to do it with God. Amen? There's a lot of people trying to do things for God. God wants you to do things with God. Not just for him, but with him. Because we can try to do things for God even without him. If we're not careful, we can even try to serve the Lord without the help of the Lord. See, the Bible says he is here to both help you will and do his good pleasure. So it's not just serve the Lord. God wants you to serve the Lord with the Lord's help. I think that's awesome. He doesn't leave you on your own to figure it out. He's not leaving you on your own to walk in victory, leaving you on your own to create the future he has for you. The whole reason Jesus died on the cross isn't just to get you to heaven, but so that you could be united with the Lord. And so the thoughts that come to you become thoughts the Lord is sharing with you, and the, the, the solutions that come out of you come from the mind of Christ, from his perspective, rather than from your perspective alone and then the power of God that flows through you. It's not just the strength of your arm, but it's God's power and ability through our lives. Ephesians chapter one, I'm gonna read it to you from the classic Amplified Bible. How many of you love the Amplified Bible? Anybody love the Amplified Bible? If you're not familiar with all these Bible translations, different translations bring out different things. And the amplified takes a lot of the words and inserts different meanings for those words to help kind of bring clarity or to amplify the meaning of it. So it's a little more wordy, but it brings a lot of value as you read through this passage of Scripture. So I'm going to have it on the screen so you can kind of read along with me on the screen. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. He's praying for them, he's teaching them, and this is what he says to them, and so that you can know and understand, so he's talking to the church and he's saying, I want you to know and I want you to understand what is the immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. Hello? Hello? There should have been an amen. There should have been a handkerchief there. There should have been somebody saying, Jesus, thank you there. Are we seeing this? Look at what the Bible, the Bible just said. See, here's the deal. Paul realizes that he's preaching this stuff and it's going right over the head of the body of Christ. He's trying to get them to pay attention. He says, so that you can know that it's there, and have understanding, because if you don't understand it, you don't know how to use it. So you can be aware that it's there, but if you don't know how to engage in it, it doesn't help. He says, so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable. There's an immeasurable amount of power available to you, the body of Christ. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same God is inside of you that flung every star into space. And the devil tries to make you think like you're so insignificant and you're so limited and it's so impossible to get out of your situation. God can bring water out of a rock, my friend. And we forget this. We need constant reminders of who we are and what Jesus has paid for because it's so far out of our mindset that it's easy for us to get back into the natural and forget that you're not a mere mortal anymore. You're not a natural man anymore. You're connected to the Spirit. You're connected to God. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Immeasurable, unlimited, un- unlimited. It's like when you go to the buffet and it's unlimited. Some of you, now you're getting excited because you get the vision. Unlimited ribs. Come on now. Unlimited buffalo wings. Jesus. There's a little shake on that one. Come on. Unlimited. And surpassing greatness of His power. I love the Amplified. It says, in you and for you. What do I love about that? Because... I get it that God wants to use me to bring power and freedom into somebody else's life. But do you understand that God wants to use that power to make sure your life is successful too? He's not forgetting about you. As much as I want to talk to you about destiny and calling and God using you to bless somebody else, God never forgets to take care of you. That same power that's going to flow through you into somebody else's life is the same power that's going to help you raise your kids. Same power that's going to help you build the business. Maybe your business is going through a tough time right now. That same anointing is going to help you turn it around. Not just pray for somebody else's business to turn around, your business to turn around. Amen. It's in you and for us who believe. As demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So now he's trying to illustrate the power that you have he says, which was illustrated or which was exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him in heavenly places. So he's saying that this unlimited, surpassing great power that is in you and for you, he demonstrated how powerful it was when he raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power. That's the size of the power that's in you. It's not just speaking in tongues power. It's not just healing power. It's the same power. He's demonstrated the the immeasurable, limitless greatness of this power by raising Jesus from the dead. Let's say it like this. If the devil could have stopped one thing in history, what do you think it would have been? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love that that's the illustration Paul uses. If the devil could have stopped one thing, he would have stopped Jesus raising from the dead. But he couldn't stop it. And that's the power that's in you. Amen. Which means the devil can't stop you. So he can put up limitations, he can put up roadblocks, he can put up mind games, all he wants. He can try to threaten you or intimidate you. But that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him in heavenly places, that's the great power that is in you. Oh, and by the way, for you who believe. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I'll get excited by myself if I have to. I will have church on my own if you don't come. I love this stuff. Far above all rule. Come on, he's bragging on the power that's in you far above all rule, far above all authority, power and dominion, every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age, but in the world to come, but also in the age and the world which, worlds which are to come. And he has put all things under Jesus' feet and has appointed him universal supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church, which is his body. So he's, again, he's talking about now the position of Jesus being the supreme ruler of everything. And then he links you to his body. Which means if it's under Jesus' feet, it's under your feet. Because you're his body. He's not missing his feet. Come on now. If it's under his feet, it's under your feet. And this is a work done by God. We couldn't do this. We couldn't pay for this. We couldn't manipulate this. This This is the place of undeserved favor that we've been set by God which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything with himself. Amen. That's the power that God's made available. Jesus' victory, the power of the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, let me give you a Bible illustration from Joshua chapter 3. Write it, in your Bible, write it in your notes, Joshua chapter 3. I love talking about types and shadows, types and shadows. If you're new to the scripture, what does that mean? In the Old Testament, we see stories and things that help bring clarity when we see the fulfillment of them in the New Testament. Let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, we see how they would place their hands upon a lamb and they would pronounce their sins onto the lamb, like conferring their sin or transmitting their sin onto the lamb. And then they would then take that lamb, they would sacrifice it, uh, drain its blood, and then burn it up in the fire, which was symbolic of the judgment of God. And then that person would walk away like forgiven and cleansed. Well, that's symbolism so that you know that when Jesus died on the cross, he was the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. Amen. And upon him, all of our sin was placed upon him. Amen. And so when he was killed and his blood was shed, all of our sins were placed upon him that we might take his righteousness and he would take our sin. And then the fire of God's judgment was poured out and Jesus consumed all of God's judgment that was for us. Jesus took it for us. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. But do you see how you can just see Jesus on the cross and you say, oh, Jesus died on a cross. But if you see the type and shadow in the Old Testament, you kind of see a a bigger picture of what happened when Jesus died on that cross. Your sin was placed on it. The lamb was your substitution and he died in your place. And then they would go home forgiven and actually celebrate their forgiveness. That's a lesson to be learned there. They would go home knowing they were forgiven based on the type Sometimes we ask Jesus for forgiveness and we go home still feeling guilty. We've got to learn how to let the sin that, we've put, that Jesus took and placed on him, let's, let's let him be the lamb and let him take that sin and that judgment and let's go home and act forgiven and celebrate like we're forgiven and not think about it anymore and dwell on it anymore because it was transferred and it was a, it was, he's paid it in full. Come on. I've got to get back on track because I could get talking about that all day. But you can see the type in the shadow, the type in the shadow, so there was the, the type in the Old Testament and the shadow, and then you see the fulfillment in the New Testament. Here's another type in shadow I wanna to talk to you about. We're talking about the power of the Spirit, and this is, it's, this, it's this whole progression of a journey that happened with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. Many of you have seen the, the movie, The Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, anyone a Ten Commandment fan? That was one of my favorites, Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. Charlton Heston. Then they came out with the Prince of Egypt, and I love the music of the Prince of Egypt. Come on. Awesome. Awesome. Anyways, stay on track, Kevin. I will. God's children were in Egypt in slavery. Many times throughout the Bible, Egypt is used as a type of the world. That journey, Pharaoh, a type of the devil, bondage, slavery. And when it, it, when Israel came out of Egypt, it's like, a, it's like this picture of God taking us out of the devil's hands, out of the slavery of sin, out of the fallen culture, fallen kingdom of the world. Can you see kind of that illustration? Well, actually, when they came out over that, in, that, that weekend of Passover, when Passover was implemented, I love this picture, I'll preach on it again one of these days, but they were, they, they, they passed through a door which was stained in blood, the blood of the Lamb. Oh, come on. And when they walked through the door, when they walked through the cross, come on, that wooden cross stained with the blood of the lamb, on this side of the door, they were slaves. On this side of the door, they were free indeed. Come on, into the freedom, the, the Pharaoh, and they were no longer slaves and Egypt was behind them and the promise of God's future was in front of them. When they walked through the door, Jesus said, he's the gate, he's the door, come on. Anyway, would you stay on track, Pastor Kevin? I'm trying to stay on track. Anyway, so they come out of Egypt, like you, coming out of the world, coming out of sin, coming out of bondage, and they pass through the Red Sea. Red Sea is a great type of water baptism. When you go through the Red Sea, it's like being baptized into Christ. The New Testament says that it was, it was like they were being baptized into Moses and we are being baptized into Christ. It's a whole other conversation for another day. I'm actually trying to get to the next body of water. So you come out of the world, you come out of your sin, you come out of addiction, you come out of all that stuff, you get water baptized and you keep going towards the promised land, praise God. But then they come up to the Jordan River, that's what my little kiddie pool represents. I like illustrations. This is my little Jordan River. Doesn't this look like the Jordan River? It doesn't, but use your imagination. So, if the Red Sea was symbolic of water baptism after salvation, going through the Red Sea, then what baptism is the Jordan River representing? See, because on the other side of the Jordan River was the Promised Land. Now, I, as a kid growing up, used to sing songs about crossing over Jordan, and for a lot of the church, they would liken that unto going to heaven. Crossing over Jordan meant dying and going to heaven. My, my difference of opinion in that is that when they crossed over Jordan into, the, into Canaan land, into promised land, it was not to rest. It was not full of peace. It was battles and giants and fortified cities and all kinds of things that needed to be taken care of. Are you understanding that? I believe this baptism, this type and shadow, was the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it was a baptism of empowerment to go and possess what God had promised. Does that make sense? Because when they came through the Jordan River, they went to work Taken out giants, not in their own strength. They went to work, when they came through the baptism of the Jordan, they went to work taking down fortified walls and strongholds. And there are strongholds in cities, and there are strongholds in people's minds, and there are strongholds in your family generations that can only be brought down by the power of the Holy Spirit. I understand this. Let me give you another reason why I believe this baptism links to the baptism of the Spirit. Well, this is the Jordan River. The Jordan River. The first... When they crossed the Jordan into Canaan to their promises, the first group that went through was carrying the Ark of the Covenant. It's my personal opinion that the Ark of the Covenant is a great representation of Christ. It's the mercy seat. It's the Ten Commandments. It's Aaron's rod. It's the jar of manna. It's the presence of God among the people. It all speaks of Christ. He fulfills the law. Come on. He is the bread of life. Come on. He is. I believe this is Christ went first into the Jordan River, and then all the people followed, okay, into, into Canaan. Well, let's get into the New Testament. Christ was baptized not a baptism of repentance because he had never sinned in the jordan river it was a baptism of power (laughs) amen and when he, and i know people have different beliefs on this my personal belief on this in scripture we don't see jesus doing any miracles until after the baptism of power And he's the firstborn among many brethren. He's the firstborn. He's our example. The the ark went first, then all the people. Jesus went first, and then all the peoples. Is this making sense to you? And so Jesus was baptized, a baptism of power in the Jordan River. And why do I bring that? And that's why I believe he told the disciples, you go to the upper room. You don't get started on trying to take your Canaan land, trying to take your future, trying to take your destiny, trying to take out giants, trying to take out strongholds until you go through the Jordan River, until you go through the baptism of power. Can you just let that sink in for a second? So why do I bring that to your attention? Because I want you to see that once you go through that baptism, once the the Spirit of God fills your life and the power of God comes into your life, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, now you're equipped to take out any giant. Any giant that they were gonna face. See, before they were baptized through that Jordan River, remember when they came back from Canaan land, they talked about the giants, they talked about the strongholds, they talked about, this was 40 years earlier, if I'm losing you, sorry, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Go back to the story. Israel was supposed to go through the Jordan River 40 years earlier. The spies, when they came back, talked about all the problems that were in the land. And so they avoided going through the Jordan River. They avoided going to the promised lands. They stayed in the desert for 40 years. They weren't supposed to. And the truth was, is once they crossed over that Jordan River, everything they would need to take on those giants, they would be given. Everything they would need to take out those fortified cities, they would be given. They actually, anyway... Is that making sense? Uh, If if you don't know this passage of scripture, this is really cool because it might be a new story to you in Joshua chapter three. When the Ark of the Covenant, when the priests were carrying it into the Jordan River, the Bible actually says that the Jordan River parted. And all the people came through on dry land, just like the Red Sea. Isn't that powerful? You may not know that story. You should go read it later. It's really good. If you're watching at home, go read it. It's really good. Not right now. Let me finish. But read it later. So let's talk a little bit more about some of the practical sides of this power of God in our lives. Open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. See, we're talking about getting back to the future. And some of you, what faces you in your future really still scares you. There's giants that are looking at you right now, you know, Pastor Maria said yesterday or last week, talking about Goliath and shame and guilt and, and fear trying to intimidate you and all those types of things. That, that's there. But today, I wanna remind you of the Holy Spirit's power that's inside of you, to, to, you've been anointed for those giants. You've been anointed for those strongholds. So don't let them overwhelm you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Come on, somebody <laughs> get excited about that. Isn't that awesome? So let's unpack a little bit of some of the gifts that God gives us when the Holy Spirit comes upon us in our lives. And you see the practical side of this, because I don't want it just to come across like power, 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 as if it's like energy bolts that shoots out of your hand, although that would be so cool. (laughs) But sometimes we don't know what we're expecting when we talk about being made able or talking about being empowered. And so because we're thinking about goosebumps, we're thinking about glory clouds, I love how the Bible begins to show us the practical side of the tools, the power gifts that were given, and then you, you draw the connection of how those would apply into getting you victory through a stronghold, through a fortified, you know, uh, you know, you know whatever mindset, or through a giant that might be facing you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's New Testament in case you're new to your Bibles. Verse 1, now dear brothers and sisters, regarding your questions about special abilities that the Spirit gives, I do not want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, that means separated from God or you didn't know God, you were led astray and swept along worshiping speechless idols. If you have a King James Bible, it says dumb idols. I like that better. I just love the phrase, (laughs) these dumb idols. But what it actually means is speechless. I, I think that's important. Because one of the things that's different about God's spirit and about the God we serve is we have a speaking God, come on, somebody that God is involved, he is engaged, he's not leaving you out there on your own to figure it out. You know, idols of gold, idols of wood, no matter what you give them, no matter what you offer to them, they're not talking back. They're not getting involved and so he's saying you used to be led away by idols that wouldn't talk to you but your God is so different than that. Your God wants to speak. If you'll just listen, if you'll just have an ear to hear, your God wants to give you the answer, wants to give you the solution. He's already given you the power. He wants to give you clarity and direction and to map the thing out. Man, we are blessed to be in the kingdom of God. He's drawing it, You're com- it's completely different than the other gods you used to serve. Verse three, so I want you to know that no one speaking by the spirit of God uh, we'll curse Jesus and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Verse four, for there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works differently in different ways, but is the same spirit who does the work inside of all of us. Verse seven, spiritual gifts are given to each of us so that we can help each other. Verse seven, and the, the King James says to profit with all. The reason I want to bring that up real quickly is because the anointing of God, the Spirit of God in you, is meant to bring benefit or profitability or increase. I think this is important because some people are intimidated when we talk about the Holy Spirit. And that's okay, I get it. You might have gone to some churches or some places where they talked about the Holy Spirit and it got just sideways. It just got weird. Okay? And I want to tell you this. You've never been hurt by God's Spirit. There may be people who said they were moving by God's Spirit, and they hurt you. But God's spirit, when he comes into the room and when he comes into your life, is meant to profit with all, to increase everyone. Come on, somebody. And there's a profitability that you will not receive without the person of the Holy Spirit. You're giving up that profit. You're giving up the, that, those good things that the Holy Spirit would do. Some people will say, I'll take all of this of God, but I don't want this spirit stuff because it weirds me out. You're giving up way more than you realize in trying to keep yourself safe you're actually hurting yourself so we're trying to open your heart up to the spirit today there's a prophet that you might be missing and I like prophets anybody like prophets like like prophets like yes the prophets of God but no I'm talking about like prophet I like prophet and God's saying there is a benefit there is profitability there are good things you're missing by not letting this Holy Spirit move in your life or in your church. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability for wise advice or the word of wisdom. To another, the Spirit, he gives a message of special knowledge or word of knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith or a gift of faith. To another, someone else, the Spirit uh, gives gifts of healing. Someone else gifts to perform miracles. Others gifts of prophecy. He gives someone else the ability to discern the spirits, discerning of spirits messages of the spirit, whether they're from God or another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all of these gifts, and he decides which gift each person should receive. So let me just break down just a couple of these gifts as quickly as I can. Are you enjoying this today? Wonderful. I love delivering this. It's exciting to me to share these things with you. Just real quickly, some of these things. Let's talk about some of this power that comes into our life, some of these abilities. And this is not to limit these abilities. There's other areas and places in Scripture you'll see where the anointing of God and the Spirit of God produces other strengths and other abilities. But this is a very definitive list that I think is really exciting. The word of wisdom, I'm going to say it real quickly, write it in your notes quickly. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith, gift of healing, gift of miracles, gifts of prophecy, gifts of discerning of spirits, gifts of tongues, interpretation of tongues. You can go back and look at it later to Fill out your notes if you need to. I see here that God leverages the first two, word of wisdom and word of knowledge. And I think a lot of the challenges we face in life, whether it's in business, whether it's in family, um, in the world that we live in, a lot of what we face, the power that we need, is understanding. The power that we need is, is the mind of Christ power. The, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, those are such precious Gifts. To have in a moment like this, in a season like this, where people say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You are a spirit-filled man or woman, and you have the ability to find out what to do. You have access to word of wisdom. When the rest of the world is confused, you can lay hold of wisdom. Amen. You can lay hold of knowledge. You can lay hold of the mind of Christ. What are, here, here, here's the practical application of word of wisdom. Write this next to it. Wise advice, insight, sound judgment. I know what to do." That's a spiritual gift. That'll tell you there's a giant facing you on the other side of Jordan. That word of wisdom will give you the strategy on how to take that out of your family line, on how to overcome that addiction, on how to overcome that thing. You are not on your own. You have God's Spirit. You say, I don't know how to fix it. So Maria was just saying up here, I don't know how it's gonna work exceedingly abundantly above all, but you have the spirit of God. And that word of wisdom is strategy. It's wise counsel, wise advice. How many of you have ever raised a kid? I'm raising kids. And there are times I am speaking in tongues. Like, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Sometimes we leave all these gifts in church, thinking the word of wisdom is just for something at the altar, no. The word of wisdom, the anointings of God is to help you succeed in whatever assignment in whatever world you're walking into. If you're a business owner and you got all these stacks of bills or the stuff you're selling isn't working out, get on your knees, pray in the spirit and let God give you wisdom about all this stuff. But have we ever applied the anointing of God, that's your future, that's your destiny, that's God's promised land in your life. You're anointed to do this. Amen. Sometimes we think the anointing, again, is just for these altars. You're anointed to go do and become what God has called you to do and become. It's not meant to perform in a church building. You're the church building. You're the church. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Knowledge is, word of knowledge is, 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 is a, has been, I like to say it like this. It's dropped in knowledge dropped in it's not something you just read out of a book it's not self-developed knowledge i like it's dropped in knowledge another way the bible refers to it is you perceive a thing you perceive a thing i one of our altar team members back in illinois um praise god i loved it he he was a pepsi driver delivered pepsi and he was going to one of the gas stations to deliver the Pepsi for the, the route, and God dropped in a word of knowledge about the cashier and gave him insight, perceived a thing about that cashier's life. And he, not weird, not crazy, because we taught people, you don't have to be crazy. You choose to be crazy. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to be weird when you operate in the gifts of the Spirit, okay? That's style, that someone saw someone act weird and they adopted that as style. as not the Holy Spirit, okay? Anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but he perceived a thing, and God gave him a word of knowledge about this cash, cashier. And he said, my friend, can I share with you what God just put in my heart for you? That's not weird. And the cashier said, yeah, absolutely. And so he shared with him, cashier just broke down, gave his life to Jesus. The guy was just delivering Pepsi. But here's what I love. He was sensitive that he's anointed all the time right? And he didn't just use the word of knowledge in the church. Most of the people that need the power of God in your life, they're not in this room. They're out there. Amen. Amen. That, and they're your promised lands, your family, your neighborhood, your, your place of business. That's your promised land. And God has given you everything you need for life and godliness to go and possess the land. Amen. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith. What I love about gift of faith is it's deposited faith. It's a gift. There's faith that grows as you read the scripture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And then there's times where you're in a crisis, you're in a moment of concern, and the faith is deposited and given to you. God, give me a gift of faith right now. There are times where I don't have six weeks to grow in the scripture. There's emergency going on right now. My loved one was just in an accident. God, give me a gift of faith right now because I don't have the energy to go and create faith, to go build faith. I need you to deposit faith. Does that make sense? You're walking into a boardroom, you're walking into a business meeting and God has put something in your heart and there's all these things that are facing against you right now. And God gives you this inner confidence, this inner assurance. And people are listening to you like, man, you're not moved by all this stuff. And of course you see it, but something in here just says that God has got this and that God is on the scene. He's doing what he promised. And people look at you like, why aren't you moved? Why aren't you full of concern? You know, and you can't sit there and pat yourself on the back and you're like, oh, it's because I've developed such strong faith. No, this is a faith that God has deposited in you for such a time as this. Gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, pretty self explanatory, gifts of prophecy, God speaking through people to give them the right word right now, the the right now word from the Lord. Discernment, gifts of discernment. What spirit is this? I think that's huge when you're doing business with people. Is this person from God? Someone's trying to make a deal with you, right? Is this deal from God? Is this deal from man? Is this a distraction from the devil? I think that's a wonderful gift to lay hold of in business. You know, because there are, there are things that look good and natural, but it's gonna bankrupt you if you say yes to that, that deal. Does that make sense? Because that's not from God. So you have this discerning of spirits in here. You have this thing to be able to tell Is someone lying to me Is someone trying to manipulate me? Is someone trying to pull off their own agenda on me? Isn't it great that there's spiritual gifts so that you cannot, you don't have to be in the dark about it. They may want to deceive, but you have the spirit of truth on the inside. See, you couldn't lie to Jesus, right? People wanted to lie to Jesus. He'd be like, I know your thoughts. That'd be really good with parenting. Come on. (laughs) Did you clean your room? Mm Mm-hmm. Where were you? You came in late. Oh, I was praying with my friends. Really? It's not what I'm picking up. But God could even give you discernment when you're talking to your kids, your spouse. I mean, I'm just telling you, guys, this is so precious that God would give us so many abilities to succeed. So many abilities to prosper and to to, to possess our promised lands. Now, just because I care about context and these things matter to me, and I'm going to bring this to a close... In context, this, is, this scripture, this chapter is talking about order in church and members of the body and things like that. So, sometimes people will look at this and say, see, only certain people can get a word of wisdom or only certain people can prophesy or only certain people can speak in tongues or only certain people can heal and all that. When Paul is talking about this in this chapter, and you can have your own opinion on this, that's totally cool. But I believe Paul is bringing order into this. Because the spirit-filled church, everyone's, there's chaos. And he's trying to bring order. Because if you read the context of these three chapters, he's he's bringing order to the church of Corinth. But then you'll find other scriptures that'll confirm what I'm saying throughout the New Testament, where you, the believer, can still operate in healing. It's not just given to one person. Okay, I want you to know that. Like they, they shall lay hands on the sick. These signs shall follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick. Come on now. Now, this scripture sounds like maybe only one or two people in the church are doing it, but other scriptures give us the promise that all of us can do that. Amen? Amen. Or about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some of these scriptures in here talk about, again, order on how many people are prophesying, how many people are speaking in tongues, interpreting, things like that. If you layer it in the context of bringing the church into order, that makes sense. But then you have other places of scripture where the, the speaking in tongues is for everybody. Amen? That it's for you, your children, and all who will come. And so I think that's important because I don't want the limitation of this chapter and what it's trying to accomplish in bringing order to make you opt out of these gifts in your life. See, because even where it says wisdom or knowledge, the Bible tells us in other places that you have the mind of Christ. And if any man lacks wisdom, any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. So we need to be able to focus in on the context of what this is speaking, but don't let the language limit you from believing that these things are for you when you need them. Can you just celebrate that? I I want to, I hope that that blessed you and didn't confuse you because too many times people, they keep, the devil tries to give them reasons why they don't have gifts or why they don't walk in power because, oh, that's for somebody else, that's for somebody else. But if God's spirit is on the inside of you, then you have all the abilities of that Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You understand that? Of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He doesn't leave half of himself somewhere else. But yes, when we operate in the church, there is decency, there is order. There are certain people that are called to certain offices and position to teach and train other people. We get that. Amen? But do not give yourself a reason of why you cannot operate in these things. These things are for your help. They're for all of us who need the power of God. We need God. We need the power of God to create the future God has placed in front of us and put in our lives. Go ahead and stand up. Let's close in a word of prayer. Amen. Did you get anything out of that today? Go ahead and give God a good praise for that. A lot of content. Let me pray this over your life. If you're watching online, go ahead and stand up in your own living room right now just to give yourself that same sense of connection with what's going on in the room. Let's pray together. I just wanna pray this word into your life. Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, I thank you for the power of God's spirit. I thank you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for all of us, that you died for us, you washed us and cleansed us, that we may be filled with your spirit. God, I pray today that there'd be such a joy, such an enthusiasm and confidence in this room, that they are not alone that they have God in them, working through them, that whatever giant, whatever stronghold, whatever opposition's in front of them, that greater is he that is inside of them than he that's in the world. And God, I pray for those that maybe have never opened themselves up to receive Jesus as their savior in just a moment, as we do that, that God, you would not only save them and cleanse them, but God, anyone in the room that wants to be filled with your spirit, that Lord, you would just fill them with your power, you fill them with your ability, you fill them with the anointing that raised Jesus from the dead. We give you thanks for all these things. God, give us eyes to see you in our lives. So many times we try to run ahead in our own strength. We try to run ahead in our own energy. But God, today we consciously pay attention that we do this with you. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.